comedian Grace Mulvey. And pop culture obsessive Neve King. Ask the question, what makes a great adaptation? We take a beloved book that has been made into a movie or TV show and do a deep dive into what the production got right or very wrong. From banger soundtracks to dodgy casting, we get into what it takes to make the jump from page to screen. Welcome to The Jump. Hello and welcome to the first of our two-part deep dive on normal people. We're changing it up a little bit this week and for this episode we'll be solely focusing on Sally Rooney's 2018 novel and asking the question, why can't Irish people communicate? Grace? Because we're always drunk. (laughs) (laughs) There, that was a bad joke. (laughs) Because we're alcoholics, okay? (laughs) So today we're going to be talking about the novel Normal People. Um... We decided to split this up because I feel like there's just so much to cover with this material. It's also our first TV show that we're covering. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, today we'll just be talking about the book. Um, if you haven't read Sally Rooney's Normal People, which Grace has not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had never read it or seen the show. You are a unicorn. You are one in yeah, a million. I don't know. I think it was like, well, because the TV show... I just remember when the book came out, my sister was like, I was like, oh, will I, will I read this? And just I was going through a hard time. She goes, no. <laughs> and I was like, now looking back, I'm like, that was a really good decision yeah. because it is a very emotional book and you have to be in the right mind frame for it. Uh, the novel follows Connell and Marianne, two teenagers who grew up in Sligo and follows them over a course of five years as they weave in and out of each other's lives. Sometimes romantic and sometimes platonic, their relationship is al- always incredibly dependent and they really grow together over the course of these four years, moving from school to college and onwards after that. The novel was written by Sally Rooney and I think pretty instantly... A phenomenon. I think that's an understatement. I feel like it was one of those books where I just kept seeing it everywhere. Yeah, it like I go into people's houses and it was like almost a cursed book that would just show up. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what is this book? <laughs> and my sister was like, stay away from it, you're too sad. <laughs> like, I thought we all agreed books were dead. <laughs> yeah, we're not doing books anymore. Yeah. Um, Sally Rooney, before we really get into the book, I wanted to take a minute or a few minutes mm-hmm. to talk about Sally Rooney because I think she's become as much of like a part of the conversation as her novels themselves. She's written three novels now. Conversations with Friends and Normal People have both been adapted into BBC series Normal People a bit more successful. The TV show then kind of skyrocketed her into kind of further fame, I guess. I think one thing, just to come from the outside of it, because I didn't know, right, so I all I'd ever heard were the titles. Conversations yeah. with Friends and Normal People. I'd always heard it around but never saw the shows, never read the books. I still knew about Sally Rooney. So that's saying something. Wow. Okay. More just because, and I not that I knew that much about her, but I just know I would start seeing jokes online yeah. of like, she likes to write about people who go to Trinity, who are white, <laughs> who are thin. <laughs> and I'm not saying that that, like I agree with that or anything, but because I started to see that, it was mm-hmm. like Sally Rooney almost became her own name or it yes. became like, she's a style of book. And I, because I didn't have any context, I just was like, oh, right, okay. And all, like, already I can see the pressure that must be on her because yeah. if I'm noticing it from a person who, before they really didn't, engaging isn't even. engaging with her yeah. work, that says something. And that is exactly kind of the feeling around her, I think. Yeah. It's like, yeah, she writes exclusively about this type of person living this type of life. And she's kind of come under a lot of criticism for that. I wouldn't necessarily call myself a huge fan of her writing. I really like normal people and obviously we're going to get into yeah. that. I haven't read Conversations with Friends. 
I believe it's written in like kind of email format, like an email exchange right. format, which I don't love to read yeah. in that way. And then I tried to read her third beautiful world, Where Are You? And couldn't get into it at all. So her like not she's I'm not yeah. I don't necessarily strongly dislike her or like her writing, yeah. but I find her very interesting. I feel like if she didn't get fa- so famous, like who would care that she only really writes about this one type of person? Yeah, you know, she yeah. would, it would just be another book on the shelf about this particular kind of life. And I do feel like there's a demand when people get bigger and be like, I don't want to see Sally Rooney's version of how I grew up. I don't want to see. Yeah, I don't want to see Sally Rooney's version of like Batman. <laughs> It's okay. Although, I think she'd do a good job. No, but do you know what's funny? I think it's a bit of a damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yes. I do think this because it's huge conversations now. Now, I'm not equipped to be having this conversation, <laughs> but about people being like, you know, no longer wanting maybe certain writers to write certain people's stories, like to have more people from certain backgrounds writing their own stories, of course. But then also... It, to criticise someone for being like, you write too much about your own background is also annoying because you're like, Absolutely. people need I mean. to write a bit what they know. Of course you can go outside of that and try your best. But I think it's perfectly okay. And yeah. obviously there's a demand for it. Like this became incredibly successful for a reason because yeah. it spoke to people in a way that hadn't been spoken to before. So um, so Sally Rooney herself, she grew up in Castle Bar in Mayo. She says of herself as a child, I just thought this was so funny. I read a few interviews with her yeah. uh, in our prep for this episode. She referred to herself as not a precocious reader as a child. Okay. Uh, she said she didn't read a ton of like Virginia Woolf or anything like that. As a kid, she said she read more kind of Raymond Carver and Joyce Carol Oates. <laughs> which can I just say, I would describe as quite precocious. <laughs> <laughs> they're American writers. Oh my god! Like even the fact that I don't know them, I'm like makes me feel like I, come here now. Not a precocious reader it means like you're you are a Jacqueline Wilson reader like the rest of us. Let's be honest. Or maybe I don't know one of those pop up books I used to love. That's not a precocious reader growing up. Um, she says of her own books that she doesn't find them necessarily transgressive. She says they're just fake people in a room talking to each other, which I find it kind of interesting. Mm way to refer to her own writing she's kind of like she plays down her own writing quite a lot which I think is interesting and I think the interviewer in this piece quite rightly pointed out a lot of Jane Austen is just people in a room talking to each other you know it's like what those people are saying and how they're interacting which is obviously the most interesting Um, and since the you know release and success of her books a lot of people refer to Sally Rooney as the voice of millennials oh Christ that's a lot on one person (laughs) it is a lot on one person isn't it yeah uh, Why would a, anyone be the voice of one generation? That makes absolutely no sense. person can never encapsulate, like, it's elder millennials. Yeah. <laughs> there's younger millennials. Like, you know, there's millennials who will be more like Gen Z than they will be a millennial. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I, I just find this whole thing of, like, anyone putting that label on someone is almost damning them. Yeah. Whoever put that label on her, I'm sure she wants to, <laughs> like, punch in the face. <laughs> you know what I mean? What, what kind of millennial do you think you are? Oh, um... One of those really sad ones. (laughs) One of the ones that got stuck in the not being able to afford a house. Still having dreams style. (laughs) Kooky anti-millennials. Kooky anti-millennials. Reading normal people, I kind of see Connell and Marianne at different points as a stand-in for Rooney. Particularly Marianne. I think that she's... Marianne is quite blunt. She says things that she like really believes in that make people uncomfortable. And I think Sally Rooney is a bit like that. Like I think mm. that she is happy to 
despite all this kind of public scrutiny on her, it doesn't seem to really bother her or get to her or, you know, affect the way that she feels or thinks or is going to communicate with the world, which I think is really interesting. But she also carries this almost shame-faced need to write, which Connell does as well. Like, when you read these interviews, like I said, she's not particularly... Um, she's not building up her own writing that much. She almost doesn't like to talk about it. She says she writes because she's kind of compulsed to, but she would almost be happy to never be published. You know, it is really interesting, this view she has of her craft that she has obviously kind of dedicated her life to as almost like, yeah, more of a compulsion than it is chasing any kind of monetary reward. Mm -hmm. I think that's interesting because normal people is an incredibly fashionable novel. Yeah. Do you know about this? Oh, like, is in like a sort of Ulysses for <laughs> the 21st century? <laughs> uh, would like we call what I mean? Ulysses Well, I think Ulysses, uh, Ulysses was fashionable when it came out. Like, do you know that sort of thing yeah. where it's like provocative at the time? Do you mean like it's sort of almost like people want you to see it on their bookshelf? Yes. It yeah, became right. almost kind of like... Which is why I fucking saw it everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah but that's yeah, when you said yeah. that. That's exactly what I was thinking. It became almost like a status symbol to be reading normal people. So much so that it was actually featured in a Vogue shoot. You know, Stop. this shoot about like books and the perfect bag to carry them in. It's like Carrie Bradshaw wrote that. Yes! <laughs> But isn't that so interesting? Yeah. So like, it's almost like the person who styled that shoot didn't read normal people because yeah. I feel like she's very anti-capitalism consistently oh, sure. throughout her writing. So the fact that normal people was featured and I think it was paired with like a Mew Mew clutch or something. Stop. Yes. Side. It I is know. funny to become almost like the thing that you're railing against. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's almost, capitalism, baby. It'll take you over. I was just yeah. about to say that I almost feel like that's what success does. Yeah. I hope we never become successful, guys. That'd be shocking if more people listen to this. (laughs) We want sponsors. (laughs) Um, Okay, so getting more to start talking about the book, there's a few things I know that we want to talk about in in this episode. Before we start off, I wanted to talk a little bit about this quote from Mm -hmm. Rooney when she was talking about normal people that I found really interesting and really kind of summed up the novel for me uh, she said what does it mean to have a healthy relationship it's such a strangely clinical way of talking about interpersonal dynamics like you can do a white blood cell count and say no it's not looking good for that one it's impossible to have a loving relationship in which you never cause pain and no pain is ever caused to you oh. she also in that same interview kind of called out this very like internet popular way of speaking like gaslighting yeah. emotional labour which encourages this kind of sanitised view of relationships mm-hmm. like if you go like into a relationship thinking yeah if you ever do anything that hurts my feelings or you know if you mm. ever mess up in any kind of way then this can't go we're forward done so. we're done so you mm-hmm. know that's such a terrible way to view any kind of relationship because people are going to mess up and people are going to make, make mistakes and ultimately Sally Rooney, in a way, sees these relationships as transactional, but not in a bad way. Right. It's almost like, you know, we people need each other and people are going to rely on each other. And that's not going to be balanced all of the time. Yes. You know, sometimes someone in a, in a relationship, and like I said, romantic or platonic or just sexual, is going to need a little bit more sometimes or yeah. is going to be able to give a little bit more. And I think that for me, that's what normal people is about. It's about following this couple as they grow up and learn that fact or kind of learn how to be there for each other in different ways Um, and in that way I just really think of it almost like a coming of age story told through this 
romantic relationship. And a very important one, because actually when I think about it, I don't know how many relationships I watch from teen to early to early mid 20s. Yeah. Like, I, you know, you see a lot of like late 20s, 30s, because that's usually when people are maybe getting engaged, settling down. So yeah. like that's when like the high drama starts because that's when like, you know, you have to make big decisions. But actually, it's so important to learn how to be in a relationship when you go from your teens to your early 20s, because that's kind of when you're really learning your craft yeah. <laughs> of being in a relationship. Um, I have to say that was a gut punch when she, uh, where she was like, um, it's impossible to be in a loving relationship in which you've never caused pain. Pain has yeah. never been caused to you. And weirdly now, when I think of like the rise of TikTok and like all TikTok is, is either the worst videos you've ever seen, the funniest videos <laughs> you've ever seen or constant therapy talk. Yeah. And I find it so mad. This therapy talk, because it's again, like the internet, very black and white. Yeah. You're either with it or against it. So again, yeah, gaslighting and stuff, which is a very real thing. But like, you know, that no one can ever trip up, as you say, in a relationship yeah. is so not going to happen. And yeah. the weird thing about normal people is like, they, like as we'll get into the book, they do bad things to each other. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Stuff Absolutely. that like, actually, if you were to tell people as an isolated incident, you'd be like, well, ditch him. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Honey, you walk out that door. But at the same time, then you're like, but actually you do follow them and you go, well, yeah, yeah there are bad parts to them, but they're learning and they're Absolutely. trying. Like, all, you know, as long as they're trying and they wouldn't do that again, then fine. Like, you know what I mean? And yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to talk to you about okay. normal people. <laughs> the way that I'm going to approach it. I think about normal people in three parts. Yeah. There's part one, which is kind of what I refer to as like Connell and Marianne, early romance. Yeah. Kind of school to first year of college. Then there's part two, which is Connell and Marianne, friend, the friendship years. Yeah. Kind of when they're kind of seeing other people, trying to be platonic. And then part three is Connell and Marianne, their late romance. So I'm going to approach it through mm-hmm. these three sections. But this is my secret normal people theory that I'm proposing to you. Okay. I see these three sections as the three stages of Connell and Mar- Marianne growing up. Oh. And part one is childhood. Yeah. Part two is adolescence. Yeah. And then part three is adulthood. And it's about them moving from just being that very selfish, insular, you know, when they're teenagers to eventually evolving into these people who can be open and vulnerable with each other and can be independent of each other. So that's how I'm going to approach it. God, you're so smart. (laughs) You have to stop saying that. that I'm actually going to somehow manage to drop it into every episode. Even when you say something stupid. Okay, so part one of Normal People, it's not part one of the book. This is my own part one. Yeah. Uh, Connell and the, early Maria, years. the early years. Normal People starts with, uh, first of all, it's told through Connell and Marianne's point of view. Mm. It switches every chapter between Connell and Marianne. It is told through these kind of, it's almost scene by scene, mm-hmm. would you say, Grace? Like every, every chapter we're kind of plopped into the world of where they are at that time. And usually then there's kind of like a, a flashback in a way that we see how they've gotten to this point or what's yeah. changed. And it's usually six weeks. It's usually, yeah, yeah, about six weeks. I think the longest is even four months. So we start, Connell and Marianne are in school together. They've clearly grown up in this small town, Cargley, and known each other all of their lives. Connell is incredibly popular. I think they're in their last year of school. Yeah. He is on the football team. He has a lot of friends. He's quiet, but he's socially adept yeah. and everyone really likes him. Marianne is the person in school <laughs> that <laughs> no one really likes. The nerd. <laughs> <laughs> she is incredibly unpopular. She... Yeah. 
one thing that I found interesting about the or what I find interesting about the way they describe she describes Marianne's unpopularity is she's that person who would talk back to the teacher. Yeah. But not in a way that gained her any points. And I think every yeah. school had that person. Not in a way that was funny. Yeah. Just you way, know what yeah. I mean? Like or in any way charming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she she just couldn't be charming. Um also she just rubbed people up the wrong way. And yeah. I actually think like we knew a lot of people growing up who did that, who were do you know when someone always felt like there's a rhythm in conversation and they're off rhythm? Yeah. And there was just some people who were off rhythm with an entire school. Yeah. Connell knows Marianne a little bit better than the other kids in school because his mother works as a house cleaner for Marianne's mother. Yeah. And every few days he goes to Marianne's house to pick Lorraine, his mum, up um, when she's finished her shift. So we see that Connell and Marianne kind of have a few interactions with each other. They clearly have things in common or interests in common. And over the course of a few weeks, they end up starting to hook up. So yeah. they start sleeping together, but crucially... Connell asks that Marianne keeps this relationship secret. He doesn't want people in school to find out that he's hooking up with Marianne because it would be incredibly awkward. People in school would have a lot of comments about it. They'd Mm -hmm. make fun of him and they would make fun of her. Oh, absolutely. It is so unbelievably cruel. Despite how cruel I find his actions, I completely understand them. Oh, yeah. And like, I think what's sad is that uh, if I was to ask myself at her age, would I do that? Yeah, I'd probably do that. 100%. Yeah. And I think for him, it's all again, going back to this capitalism thing. It's his capital. The capital he has is he's a popular guy. He doesn't have any money capital, but he has this. Yeah. And she has no capital, even though she has money. Like, it's so weird. But it is this dynamic that you're like, I just think the sadness of it is that you can see yourself doing it and how little you think of yourself in that age. Oh, God. I know. (laughs) And revisiting normal people. I I had read it before. I read it when it came out a few years ago because I'm a slave to fashion. (laughs) (laughs) I was out there just living my life, live, laugh, life, love, live, while everyone else was heading the book. (laughs) I was the the real Marianne. I was the one who went against the grain. And um, revisiting it this time, I don't know as well because I have gotten older, but I found this with a lot of yeah. kind of pop culture stuff that I'm revisiting now that I kind of maybe engaged with when I was in my late teens or twenties. Um, I have such a this maternal feeling towards female characters a lot more, obviously yeah. just because I just want to give her a hug so badly because mm-hmm. um, she's just such... She's so isolated and she's so alone and yeah, she yeah. has no self-regard or self-respect and that's a theme we'll see for the rest of the book um, so they strike up this secret relationship um, tr- throughout the book Marianne has to interact a little bit more with the school friends there's like a Debs fundraising yeah. committee where she that she goes to Debs for anyone outside of Ireland is a prom yes. style dance I had to explain this to one of my English housemates the other night thank you <laughs> yeah. yeah I wouldn't have thought you all don't just don't get our customs yeah Debs <laughs> racist <laughs> Yeah, we were apparently we are debutants for some reason at the age of 18. Anyway. After Marianne has kind of like an upsetting instant at one of the Debs fundraisers mm-hmm. where a drunken older guy kind of grabs grabs her breast yeah. quite painfully, Connell brings her home. And the next morning, a lot of people comment on whether or not, you know, there's something going on between yeah, them. Yeah, they shagged her. Yeah. yeah. To kind Sorry, of, I'm, I'm a, that's they basically they're like, did you shift or did you shag her? <laughs> yeah. Blah, blah, blah. yeah. To head this off or to try and like kind of put put a quirk in this guy talking, he asks someone else to the Debs slash prom. 
and this effectively ends their relationship with Marianne dropping out of school. But is that, am I misremembering as well when that happens after the Debs? So she's been groped. It's really painful. She's really upset. Yeah. And by the way, like there's only one or one girl who's like, that was awful. Yeah. What happened? Everyone else is like, oh, it was just a laugh. It was just a laugh. You know, like thing yeah. where traumatic things happen. They're like, that was a joke. And um, <laughs> you're like, thanks, mom. No, <laughs> no. But like, um, isn't it that Eve, that night she stays with him yeah. and he is very loving to her? And like care giving, yes, I think he says, totally I love right. you. He says, I love you. He after says, that I love because you. Because in that moment, she shares that her dad was abusive towards her yeah. mom and to her. And her, physically she abusive. Says yeah. That he physically abused her. And so then for him the next day to go out and ask Rachel, <laughs> who oh my we don't like Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> No, Arch nemesis of the pod, <laughs> fictional character Rachel Morin. Like We're coming knows, for you. She knows what she did. <laughs> but anyway, he, sorry, but Rachel's a bitch. Rachel's like, a straight <laughs> up bitch. Um, no, but uh, he asked her. Then it's so devastating. It's so devastating. Yeah. I mean, you have because we have. Uh, we're told this through Connell's POV. So he, we get that anxiety that he feels the next morning when he's woken up and says this, and he even says. Did I even mean that, or did I just not want her to be sad anymore? Yeah, you know, did he? And which is so he so he so doesn't trust his own emotions, and yes. that's the thing that I find so interesting about Connell is like, um, is it okay for me to bring up the teacher? Because if it, yeah. like, yeah, so the whole thing about I noticed going back over the book was well was that like. There's a bit in the book where um, Connell's, one of Connell's teachers basically is flirting outright with him. And, you know, I don't know what age she is, but obviously it's illegal for yeah. one, but like two, highly inappropriate. The whole thing is that all the students around him tell him that he fancies her. Yeah. Or like, they're like, oh, she she fancies you. Like, you fancy her. You get, you blush when you're talking to her, blah, blah, blah. Like, And then it, there's a quote in the book where he says like, uh, he kind of basically, uh, uh, this is a paraphrasing, but he's like, I kind of don't know if I do now. Now I don't trust my own instincts because yeah. she makes me uncomfortable. But they're all telling me that I do like her. So he's so incapable of trusting his own instincts and his own feelings that then he's his feelings basically are whatever people are telling him they are. Yeah. And that's why it's so it's so genius of uh, of the author to be like, be in his perspective when he's doing this terrible yeah. thing because we understand it. Absolutely. We understand his decision making yeah. process. It's smart, devastating, but smart. <laughs> <laughs> it is, and yeah. I just I'm so sad. Then that next morning when he has that kind of almost like a bit of an anxiety attack about having yep. said I love you, and I think that there, yeah, there's a commitment obviously to saying that because now he's he's given a piece of himself to Marianne in that moment. You know, yeah. he's committed to her in a way, and he's afraid of that commitment. Can I just say? That exact thing happened to me the first time I said I love you to someone. I ran away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I completely I was literally like, ah, like flailing <laughs> hands because I was so like, it's like too big of an emotion to have in your body. Yes. And I was older than he was doing it. So like a 17 year old boy, you joke at me. Yeah. Like I'm surprised his head didn't like explode. Yeah. <laughs> um. After this, incident where he goes to the devs at Rachel Marianne stops going to school she starts studying at home. she drops out of school essentially um, to study at home to take the leaving cert once again for those who aren't Irish the leaving cert is our kind of final year exams that determine SATs your A-levels folks yeah, yeah well if you get into college and what college you get into and this devastates Connell which I find you know he's, yeah. he is devastated that he, she completely breaks off all contact with yeah. him she stops speaking to him he confesses to his mother what's been happening Lorraine, best mom in the world, TM. (laughs) (laughs) Can I just say the opposite of Rachel? We love Lorraine. (laughs) Lorraine. And she is so disappointed in him. 
She yeah. He tells her what's been going on while they're driving in the car and she gets him to pull over so she can get out of the car. Um, Which I just want to say, right, for anyone who isn't from Ireland, if you don't understand our public transport system, <laughs> you're in the middle of the west of Ireland. Don't Sligo. Her getting out of that car and being like, I'm getting the bus. She may never get the bus. She might die at that bus stop. <laughs> Buses don't exist in the west of Ireland. You're joking me. That woman might not make it home. That's how angry she was at Connell that she was like, I'm not staying in this car with you. I was like, that's the most baller thing. Yeah. Fair play to her. Fair play to yeah. her, yeah. See, Lorraine, best man Lorraine. in the world. And um, yeah, and that's almost kind of, if in the book, that's yeah. that's the end of it. That's the end of the school years. It ends kind of pretty Abru- rapid, yeah. abruptly. Yeah. But just before we move on to college, I just want to chat about those school years. And you kind of referenced this earlier, but the power dynamic between mm-hmm. Connell and Marianne, because I think that the book very much starts in Connell's favour. He has all of the social... Yeah power at that time because he's popular and that's the currency at that age like yes. they're, they're, they're children right now yeah. and the currency at that age is who likes you who thinks you're cool and and he's a local football player like a ga player or yeah. Irish football that's in, in the west of Ireland you, yeah. you joke me that is the highest currency yeah, absolutely you know and it's a bit like the cheerleader football player thing like those the highest currency when you're in high school that's the highest currency here it actually like material currency means nothing yeah it's so mental, yeah. And I think as well, what struck me reading the book and, and going back to my theory of this section of the book is them as children. When you're a child, when yeah. you're a kid, you're almost incapable of feeling empathy in a way. Empathy is something that you learn over the course of your adolescence. And I think that Connell and Marianne, to a certain extent in this section, are unable to see too far outside of themselves and how yeah. they feel, even when it's interactions with each other. Yeah. So... Connell is anxious the day after he says I love you purely because he's like well what does this mean for me mm-hmm. have I tied myself to this person now? he can't see past the end of his own nose essentially yeah. and to a certain extent neither can Marianne and they don't know how to communicate with each other yet because they don't know how to open up and be vulnerable around each other mm-hmm. they only know how to play into the dynamics set for them by that social hierarchy yeah. Yeah. and that hierarchy states that he's more powerful, more impressive, and she's essentially nothing. Yeah. And it's just so devastating. <laughs> it's so and sad. I think there's a really interesting bit where, like, even when Lorraine is so annoyed with him, mm. he's sort of like, I mean, it's a bit of an overreaction. She's not coming to school, isn't it? Like, mm. it's a bit of an... He actually is just like... And again, it's that empathy thing yeah. where he just can't... Or he at least he can't tap into how devastated she is. Yeah. He's no... He doesn't want to. Like, yeah. it's almost like too much for him to look at, you know. And he can't think about what the effect would be of him asking Rachel to the dabs. Yeah. And that's such a little fucking dweeby teenage boy thing. Know, you know, I'm just like, I what know. are you talking about that you didn't think about yeah, asking? Yeah, what yeah, yeah. are you talking yeah. And like when he goes over and he's like, it's just his friends. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. What are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> if I was Lorraine, I would have burned his car to the ground. <laughs> So that's the end of the school years. They then, um, after Marianne persuades him to put down English and Trinity mm-hmm. on his CAO form, which is his form uh, requesting to get into certain colleges, Connell moves up to Dublin and starts going to Trinity. Trainers for winners, baby Trainers girls. For winners. Anyone outside of Ireland doesn't understand the significance. It's our Harvard. It's our yeah. Oxford. The best, basically, college. And there's a lot of like connotations, you know, yeah, connected about to the it. people yeah, who yeah. go there. Yeah. And yeah. So he moves up to college. He's 
not having the easiest time of it. He's obviously no. trying to get to grips with the fact that his whole world has shifted and everything that he believed up until this point is kind of a moot point now. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Um, he doesn't live in Carrickley anymore. He's not the big fish in a small pond. No one really cares about him. And he's starting from, you know, day dot. So he meets, uh, he struggles to kind of chat with people in his tutorials and things he realizes very quickly that the other people while able to talk very confidently in class about you know their sign reading i love this they're not reading the books you know they're reading spark notes they're going in they're arguing about it and he just can't understand because connell isn't exceptionally smart like we know this he got 600 points i think on the leaving cert Mm -hmm. he's um not that that's relevant anymore, but you know what I mean. Yeah, he's but very like, no, smart. Like, and, he, and, and he's a like unlike Sally Rooney, apparently a precocious <laughs> reader. <laughs> the man will read anything. Yeah. Um, through these tutorials, he meets Gareth, a bit of a campus celebrity. I think we all knew this guy. Oh, campus celebrity, even that. Was I know. So there was something. Uh, those things. I think the thing about normal people is like. It's just those little tidbits that bring out these memories. Yes. Long, yes. long since forgotten. That you're not, like the forgotten, fucking repressed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I put it six feet in the grave. <laughs> I put that memory. Yeah, that even the campus celebrity, that was such a big deal when yeah. you went to college because no one knew anyone but the person who sort of was just the lad about town. Yeah. He attracted everyone. Yeah, it's he's mental. on all the societies. Crucially in the book, he's on the debating society. Yeah. He's very pro having this internet Nazi come and give a debate. Um, he asks Connell over to his house for a party. He's living on campus. When he's there, he kind of meets up with Garth and I think there sees his house, sees his bedroom like all yeah, of this yeah. like, amazing things that are just out of his reach yeah. you know this guy is living on campus like Trinity as Grace said it's one of the like it's very old it's very mm-hmm, beautiful mm-hmm. to be living in this like beautiful space while like Connell's... tourists would go to there like yeah. it's, it's an attraction in Dublin so like you know to be living there as well like is a certain amount of money yeah. you know to do that um, and that's where he discovers that Garth is very familiar with people from Sligo Grace his girlfriend's from Sligo. Dun, dun, dun. Guess who his girlfriend is? <laughs> it's Marianne. <laughs> just in case you weren't sure. So that's how Marianne and Connell kind of reconnect. And you can just see here how completely the power dynamics have completely yeah. switched. Marianne is incredibly popular in college. Yeah. She's in a world that she was born into. She's living in a house that is owned by her family in Dublin. She doesn't pay any rent and she doesn't have to work while she's in college. She's going out with the campus celebrity and they themselves are very known across the campus and have accumulated a gang of very wealthy friends. One of them called out in the book whose father directly caused the financial crash in Ireland. Oh my God. (laughs) I love that reference in the book because as well, when they were in college, what we were talking maybe 2008, 2009? They don't really put it but it's they, 2015, yeah, each chapter oh, is dated. Oh, right, sorry, yeah, sorry, so. sorry. So you are still talking about the repercussions yes. of, of a massive financial disaster. Absolutely. We talk about this in Gone Girl. Neve <laughs> 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 doesn't remember, but I lived through it. Uh, so this, these are the people that Marianne is like socialising with now. She's Also, they, can I just say, she apparently found, I don't know, a hairbrush and like some mascara because everyone's like, you're a ride now. <laughs> 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 Obviously we can't see her, but she's just suddenly gotten very pretty yeah. yeah I think that that's about though social capital the like I said that world she's born into and mm-hmm. she's so apart and what she offers to us right because she offers that big house where they can all go and drink yes. all the time She offers, not that she I'm like I'm sure that Marianne is absolutely like stunning we don't get too much physical yeah. description in the book but 
you could be stunning in school and still be absolutely <gasps> despised by yeah. the group. You're so right, though, about the place. Yeah. Because actually having people that can just, where you're the play, you're the host. Yeah. In those years, it's crucial. Yeah. It's where everyone starts the night. You're, and you're referenced all the time. We were in Marianne's. Marianne, yeah. You know what I mean? That sort of thing. Yeah. Exactly. And there's even, there's a comment a little bit later by your friend Peggy about how Peggy is in the house constantly. She's almost living there. But in front yeah. of others, she has this compulsive need to put Marianne down and make jokes about the fact that she's from Connacht or from Sligo and undermine her a little bit. I also do think that Marianne has something that is would be debilitating in school, but very desired in college, which I don't actually think that Marianne does care that much about what think people think about her. She is a little bit free from that to a certain extent. Yeah. I don't think she has good self-esteem. I don't think she's confident. But for some reason, she is just able to be direct about the things that she's direct about. And in college, especially somewhere as like academically mm. focused as mm. Trinity, I think that's a huge thing. Yeah, I mean, her opinions on capitalism, her opinions on the state of the world are yeah. very directly given, which yeah. I think in school, you're sort of like, okay, yeah, like, you exactly. know, rolling your eyes. But in college, you're like, yeah, we're going to go out and we're going to protest this and we're going to do this. Like, I think she is then seen as the cool person. Marianne and Connell decide that they can still be friends despite what's happened to them in the past. He is kind of brought into her world mm-hmm. and her friendships a little bit and kind of gets to to know her, her new group through her. They someone from that group gets him a job like as yes. a waiter you know he's kind of starting to see and reap the benefits of being in this other class you know yeah. that he uh, was one of my favourite quotes from him is rich people look out for one another yeah that's what he realised by being Marianne's friend he yeah. has then shortcuts to getting things that he needs but Mar- Marianne has broken up with Gareth her and Connell go to a house party together where she puts a move on him essentially oh she uh, really does <laughs> then- I mean I'll say this for Marianne she gets a few drinks into that girl's frisky. She knows what she wants. <laughs> she knows what she wants. Um, and they get back together the next morning and they start Aww. seeing each other. Yeah. Um, power dynamics still a little bit switched and I get the sense that Marianne still hasn't, even though she said that she's forgiven him, she hasn't, hasn't fully forgotten what's happened in school. And I, do, I think what ends up leading to their second breakup is the fact that she can't allow herself to be emotionally available to him, mm-hmm. which is completely understandable. The way he and hurt her, yeah. their lack of communication. Yeah. So essentially Connell loses his job and has to go back to Sligo and he can't bring himself to ask him to ask her can he stay in her house over the summer and I completely understand that it's so you know it's once again his mother works for her mother yes yeah yeah you know and how painful must it be Marianne can't see it and she admits later in the book that she doesn't think about things this way you don't think about money when you have it yeah yeah. And you don't think about the privilege that comes with money when you have it. And you, but when yeah. you don't, and especially when it's in your face as much as it is if you go to Trinity and you're hanging yeah. out with those kind of friends, it's all you can think about. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't surprise me at all that he struggles to say, here, can I stay in your gaff? Yeah. And because of that, there's a misunderstanding. They can't properly communicate with each other. And Marianne thinks he wants to go home and see other people. Yeah. It is the most frustrating conversation to have to read because when you say just one inflection or one line would have made the difference for these two fucking idiots. (laughs) (laughs) But also, you're so right. It is so hard for him to ask because actually it's so unfair that he has to ask. Like, let's look at the world we live in. Why does this lad who's a full-time student who was just working his way through college anyway, who shouldn't have to work his way through college, let's be honest, because education should be the goal. He can't even... No. He has to then ask. It's almost like he has to beg. And like, for her, who didn't earn this free place she lives in, 
none of this is fair. Yeah. And so like, I, although I get so angry at him for not doing it, I also understand then. Completely. Yeah. Why he couldn't. Why he couldn't. And this is kind of the end of what I consider part one of the novel and the end of their childhood. It mm. ends very painfully. And once again, it's because they can't empathise with each other or communicate with each other yeah. enough to see. He can't think about what Marianne would feel about it and she can't put herself in his shoes long enough to understand why he would be raising this difficult topic. Yeah. Um, she's never thought about her life too much outside of her own, really. Yeah. You know, because she's... She's so traumatised as well. Like, I'll be honest, yeah. you know, the woman deserves a little bit of selfishness. Yeah. <laughs> She's earned it. Yeah. Um, so that's the end of part one. Colin and Marianne. The yeah. early years. <laughs> <laughs> so the next part is where we see kind of their platonic relationship kind mm. of start to flourish a little bit. But I also feel that this is the section where they start to grow up. Yeah. And I think that's triggered by essentially them facing quite a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go through some pretty serious stuff in this section. Um, and crucially, they each get some new partners. Normal people. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> Unfortunately, they're really not. <laughs> um, following his accidental breakup with Marianne, oh, Coddle finds himself uh, back back in Cargley with nothing to do. And I think oh. that he kind of realises that this place isn't his home anymore. Oh, devastating and feeling. I really do. De- I, I think feeling everyone knows. Yeah. When you leave everyone. home and you come back and you're like, oh, this isn't my home anymore. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's crystallised for us in the instant with the teacher. That scene with the teacher, yeah. I was almost. Do you know when you're almost like walking and reading? Yeah, like, I almost was sick. Yeah, and I was like, get away from her. Yeah. She's awful. Yeah. Um, he meets his ex English teacher on a night out, and he's absolutely hammered. He goes home with her, and she tries to sleep with him. He does get himself out of that situation, but he's riddled then afterwards with this shame and guilt, and he really doesn't know where to put it. Like it's such a hard. It's so hard. It's yeah, so, it's such a hard view. Uh, a little uh, while for him afterwards. One, one th- thing I. Because I, re- I saw a quote when I was looking back and I saw a quote of this is him talking about that uncomfortable feeling he had around Miss Neary those years in school when everyone was telling him like you do fancy her she fancies you you do fancy her oh my god you're blushing he was he says in the book he's sitting in her living room almost trying to master this uncomfortableness now he's trying oh. to overcome it trying to own it a bit yeah. and he's almost not he's kind of going with the situation that's interesting and I was like that is because again it's like this thing where he's like other people were telling me this so I'm sort of trying to like master it because they must it's in the way I read it they must be right like he still doesn't understand his own emotions interestingly in the book we see that he has when he first started sleeping with Marianne he had slept with people previously he Mm -hmm. had other sexual partners but he says that it never felt right and after he had had sex with people he almost felt like throwing up and that he feared that he actually wasn't someone who could have intimacy with women. And then when he right. sleeps with, with Marianne, he's like this. It's like he fits, you know, they fit together. Yeah. And it feels amazing. And he feels really amazing and happy in that moment. So I wonder is like now he's, him and Marianne have broken up. He feels like they're probably done forever after what yeah. they've been through. And now he's back to trying to force himself into this place that doesn't fit. And oh, the teacher wow. definitely doesn't, obviously, yeah. for obvious reasons. Yeah. But he doesn't know what's wrong you know when you go like I think that's so true what I loved about that part at the beginning when he talked about sex with other partners he described it as like almost watching himself have sex like he was like you're almost there and you're like I'm having sex and I think that like (laughs) 
actually a Here feeling. I go. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the middle of doing this action. Almost like when I run. I'm, when I'm running, I'm like, I'm running. Because <laughs> every moment of this is awful. It's almost, it's almost like, and that really spoke to me because actually yeah. I've never heard of a, a, particularly a teenage boy character, describe sex other than, that was amazing. Oh my God. Yeah. Like he was very honest and was like, this just doesn't feel right and yeah. I don't feel good. To the extent that I feel sick. That I feel ill. Yeah. Like, and I wonder... God, it was so hard to read. So that makes so much sense that then he's trying to wedge his way yes. back in, almost like a, in a way square into a, a circle sort of thing. And it just doesn't work. Yeah. yeah. Soon after he sees Marianne has returned to Cargley for the summer, they chat and they decide mm-hmm. they're going to give uh, being friends another go. And during this, we get the revelation that Marianne has a new boyfriend, her one of her friends, Jamie, whose father caused the financial crash. Um, he's such a prick. Such an awful <laughs> prick. Yeah. Um, when they return to Dublin for college, Mar- he, she reveals to Connell while they're getting coffee that Jamie is into rough sex and likes to hit her. This is news that Connell yeah. finds very hard to take. Mm-hmm. And Jamie and him essentially never get on. Yeah. Um, crucially, during this part of the novel, is also when we see, I think, Connell and Marianne grapple with the politics of the world around them mm-hmm. quite a lot. And I think this is, and especially that kind of financial and class dynamic that they touched upon a lot in part one. For me, this is told through the plot of Skulls. Yes. Of them yes. going for Skulls in Trinity. Once again, Skulls is uh, an opportunity that you get when you go to Trinity. You take an exam and if you... I actually don't know a lot about it. <laughs> if you, <laughs> I didn't go to Trinity. Um, if you get scars, two losers over here didn't go to Trinity. Someone went to an IT, and that's me. <laughs> Um, yeah. If you get scholars, then your uh, college fees are paid for five years and you also get free accommodation on campus for five years. And apparently so, you have to do mass and Latin or something before yeah. you eat. So weird. Um, so Connell and Marianne both go for scholars in their respective areas. He's studying English, she's studying history and politics and they both get it. But this means two extremely different things for Absolutely. the both of them. Because for Connell, this is obviously about you know his financial future being secured and the ability to follow follow his dreams. Essentially, he basically uh, has the next five years paid. It's yeah. like the subscription he's had to pay for his life. He no longer has to pay. He gets the five years free. Yeah, that's a, like to anyone who knows what that's like to struggle when you're, you know. That's incredible. incredible to buy five years. You joke at me. Yeah. While for Marianne, it's just like, oh great, I got that thing, and it just shows I'm smart. Yeah, yeah exactly. which is it's good. A, like it's, it's accomplishment. It's a huge accomplishment. Yeah. But it doesn't mean what it means no. for for him. And this has shown like the the impact that it has in his life. Then shown over the summer months when he gets to go with Niall bagpacking oh, across yeah. Europe. Yeah. Uh, a trip that culminates in a visit to Marianne's Italian home. So there's a home in Sligo, there's a home in Dublin, <laughs> and there's a home in Italy. <laughs> and in fairness now at this stage, if you didn't know Marianne had a troubled childhood, you'd be like, ah, this bitch. <laughs> like, I, no, you know what I mean? Like, if you didn't know her, you'd kind of hate her. Yeah, Like, absolutely. you know what I mean? Because you would be like, you just have everything like you know but anyway Um, so Connell goes to meet Marianne in Italy she's there with Jamie and her best friend in air quotes Peggy Yeah, Uh, Peggy's like we mentioned earlier she's someone who is part of that kind of Trinity College group she definitely loves the scene of being with people who Mm. have a lot of money you know that's kind of what they enjoy and she seems to quite like Jamie as well which none of us can get a grasp on Um, in Italy I also see the beginnings of Marianne grappling with her childhood and her mm-hmm. abusive upbringing for the first time properly. And like I said, I think that's kind of part of her growing process that she has to face what's happened to her 
and what continues to happen to her head on and understand how it has impacted mm-hmm. her relationship up until this point because there's a reason she's with someone like Janie who is, who is so horrible to her. He's so he's so abusive. Yeah. Like not only like obviously the sex is rough now she says it's consensual but like you know then there's also just like the way he speaks to her yeah. the way he is in general he's just generally unpleasant human he, being. Yeah, he's a <laughs> Because we but see that with the way that he's like needling Connell and Niall yes. during that, that visit in Italy. Like they've arrived off the train, you know, hostels. They're actually in the book. They're with a female friend as well. Mm-hmm. The three of them have been doing hostels for two months yep. on trains. They stink. They're probably feeling pretty gross. Yeah, yeah. And Jamie just needles them the whole time yeah. that they're there. And, you know, at one point they mentioned going to Venice. Um, he says why would we go to Venice it'll just be full of Asian tourists there's a comment about from yeah. Niall in the book says God forbid you'd have to stand beside an Asian person yeah. and this kicks off the most uncomfortable dinner scene of all time yeah. which culminates in actually Marianne and Jamie breaking up because he's disrespectful about her father's belongings mm-hmm. and we know this is an area that she's obviously incredibly sensitive about She's in her father's Italian home, but we have the knowledge that her relationship with her father was incredibly strange and abusive. Yeah. So it's just this horrible, tense time. And Marianne throughout is just what I think a lot of people who have had abusive childhoods as a defense mechanism, she goes into herself so mm-hmm. much and she doesn't really engage with Jamie until he pushes her to the but he is pushing and pushing her until yeah. she absolutely snaps. Yeah. Um, He's so angry that Connell's there basically yeah. yeah before Italy sorry Connell had told Marianne that he's seeing someone he's seeing a lovely girl called Helen <laughs> I don't want to talk about Helen in the book all I want to say is, I will just say this the timing of him telling her he showed up to her they both got skulls he shows yeah, up to totally the yeah totally left this out sorry yeah got punched in the face he's absolutely twisted yeah <laughs> alright and what I find interesting because you brought up the money dynamic mm. He basically he was um he got drunk after getting skulls out celebrating fair play to him all the same. <laughs> he gets robbed yeah. and his phone's robbed and the only number he knows off by heart is Marion, which is a very, by the way, our generation thing. Yeah. I don't know anyone's, anyone's number. number. I no. might know one number. And actually my brother and sisters, which is oh, really sad. That's really nice. <laughs> Crazy aunt millennial over here. They're <laughs> you know? not going to be much used to you if you get mugged in I London, know, which yeah. has already happened to you. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I really got to learn your number, Dave. Um, <laughs> but he rocks up to Marianne's house, um, you know, and in a taxi, rings her and she's, she gives the cash to the taxi man and, ha- you know, cleans him up. What I find so interesting is that's when he tells her, okay? And, yeah. You know, and he also basically tells her he doesn't like Jamie, doesn't know why he she's with Jamie. And then tells her about Helen and yeah. she gets so upset, right? But on top of that, then he's like, oh, I, she asked him to leave and he's like, yeah, I do need money in order to get home. Yeah. What I find so interesting, I think the balance has changed here because he couldn't ask her to stay in her house mm-hmm. even though he was basically staying there and that's why they broke up because he had no money. Now he's got skulls. He has actually a bit of like status and then suddenly he's like, I actually do need that money for you though. And I was like, Oh, yeah. And it's not that he was wrong to ask. He had no. just been mugged. But it was like for the first time he was just, and he also just said about Jamie, he was very okay with just yeah. stating things then because actually he was kind of on a level playing field. He no longer has to beg for yeah. and dinner. He, or he has a girlfriend dinner. now. And he has a girlfriend. So he yeah, was like, they're... don't like Jamie. Can I have some money? See you later. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. he's hung out with Helen, <laughs> who I just find to be 
the most normal gal. Yeah. I think Helen is such a funny character. Yeah, yeah. Helen hates Marianne. Which, by the way... Totally justified. Totally justified. <laughs> Do you know, I'm sorry, but you know when some... Like, you know if you're like boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, has a friend of the opposite sex and they're like, Absolutely. they were kind of together, they're kind of obsessed with each other, you can talk, and you're meant to be like, totally cool. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not the cool girl. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, I'm not chill with this. No. I want you to be obsessed with me. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, there's this great scene where they've all been at a party together, Helen and Connell are walking home and Helen says something like, I can't remember the exact quote. She's like, but can Marianne never just talk about fucking what's on in the cinema? Does she always have to be going on about some kind of conflict in the Middle East? And Connell says, well, that's what interest genuinely. She- so Helen sees Marianne essentially as a bit of a poser. Yeah. And Connell defends Marianne a lot because he knows that's genuinely who she is. She mm. is just that person. Mm. And it is a little bit awkward in social settings to be going on about things that you believe in. But he says, but I believe in that too. Yeah. And who I am with Marianne is actually my true, truest self. Yeah. And if Helen thinks that's weird, she thinks I'm weird. And the relationship with Helen, I think, is we do see Connell again trying to shoehorn himself into something that maybe at the time is healthier yeah. Um, and a bit more normal, once again, in air quotes, but just never properly fits. But, you know, I do think it's so funny that Helen is just almost the person I relate to more. She's just uh, such a gal. I'm there- sorry, but like, there's so many bits for her. And as well, like, she's just, she's just trying to have the gossip with yeah. Connell sometimes and he won't give it to her. And there's nothing more frustrating than when you're around someone and you're like, I ah, know, come on now, bit of a wink, bit of a joke about yeah, this person. On. And then they're like, no, like, they're really good. And you're like, oh, okay, well... <laughs> You know, you're just like, just for once, give be me like, something. give me something. And I think, you know, and I understand this, this is the thing about Marianne. She is a person you love or hate. And yeah. even Connell mentions this. Like, yeah. that's why in school she was so unpopular. She just was like annoying person. She's tough to take. She's yeah. grating at times. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but if you love her, you're going to love her. That's yeah. the thing. And like, but with Helen, I'm also like, I'm totally fine with yeah. you hating Marianne. Ooh, it's so justified. I'm sorry, but I'm sure she's the pain. I'm going to say this right now. Connell and Marianne, even as a couple, <laughs> would not be someone that I'd be like, do you know who I need to invite to that dinner party? <laughs> do you know? Like, the couple, you know there's a laugh. going <laughs> to really liven up the evening. It's that woman who won't start go, going off a bit like free to bet or whatever. And then Connell who says a word for the entire thing. Like they aren't people... <laughs> <laughs> you're like raving to spend time with you're not wrong I think there's even a, a bit that I love where he Skype calls her from Italy or from when yeah. he's on the road and she's like there getting ready with the gals for a night out yeah. and they're all having free drinks and I was like what a lovely girl <laughs> and he's there saying like how was the trip good yeah yeah yeah, yeah. good <laughs> it's nice yeah Marianne's is nice I think at one point in the book she says of course Marianne has a palace in Italy <laughs> How much would you fucking hate Marianne here on? Um, anyway, so after uh, Italy, Jamie and uh, Marianne break up and Marianne goes off to Sweden for her Erasmus year. This is the section that on rereading, I, once again, because I'm a bit older, I just wanted to bundle her up in a little tail and bring her home. Yeah. Um, and Sweden, so, of all places, is a very isolating country. Yeah. Like, it's not... Even, like, society-wise, Swedish people will be, like, they're not, like... Um, uh, what's the word like I think it's because of the way the weather is they yeah. actually tend to stay at home like they're not the most social people yeah. do you know what I mean so like for her to go to that country yeah. couldn't have been the worst place for Marianne <laughs> Marianne yeah. go to fucking Spain or something go to Ibiza babes okay just get a fucking get, a, get some shots into you alright and have a good cry at like 6am with some random stranger tell them about your tat and then just get on with it like the rest of us <laughs> get a tattoo um. <laughs> 
Ibiza 2015. That's what I want to see. <laughs> so in Sweden, we get the, because once again, the way the book is written is that we really just get these snapshots where they're plopped in and we don't get mm. this. Like So the, the snapshot we get of Sweden is Marianne showing up to an apartment of the man that she's kind of seeing and he is going to take naked yeah. photos of her. That's where we... That's where we arrive. And it's a brilliant thing in the book. You are just plonked in there. Yeah. It's so kind of like jarring. Yeah. Which also is the way life works. Yeah. Like if you actually were to see how a lot of people's lives change so quickly, particularly in your early 20s and stuff, you are just like, wait, where are we now? Like, yeah. what is she doing? Naked pictures. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, yeah. And I think that Sweden is when we finally, we finally reckon with, and crucially I think Marianne reckons with, the depth of her own lack of self-regard. Yeah. She... And really, truly hates herself and has mm-hmm. so much self-loathing. And that's obviously because of the abuse that she suffered her entire life from her uncle, from her brother, and uh, its own type of abuse, her mother's indifference. Oh, yeah. So Horrendous. she's found herself in this situation where she describes feeling numb and she's seeing this guy who's taking these pictures of her. He's tying her up in ways that she doesn't want, but at the same time feels she deserves. She's She's being treated the way that she thinks she deserves and she just is incapable of pulling herself out of that situation. And it's just this incredibly painful period for her Mm -hmm. and an incredibly huge period of growth. Because at the end of that scene, you know, he's tying her up, he's blindfolding her, he's taking pictures, she's in an incredibly vulnerable position. And at one point he says, I love you. And that seems to be the thing that snaps for her. And I think it's this moment of realisation for her. She's like, this is not what love is. Yeah. Because she has felt it before. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. why can't I let myself be loved, essentially? Yeah. Um, I loved a quote in the book where she says, um, you know, again, paraphrasing here, she's kind of saying that, like, men have always sought to dominate her because they've, yeah. they've seen the damage within her. Yeah. And she kind of notes that about herself. She can see it very yeah. clearly. She's like, "This, I'm damaged. And men, there are men out there who love to dominate damaged women. Yeah. And like, I think it was around that time of the book, but like, it was just such an interesting thing for her to realize so much about herself. Yeah. yeah. And she even actually, they when she, in Italy, is when she tells Connell the full extent of her brother's abuse towards her. Mm. And he says, why didn't you ever tell me this? And she says, I didn't want you to think I was damaged and broken. And then later when we get oh, Connell's so. POV, he says, I thought that she was broken anyway. I always thought that she was damaged and I always thought she was broken and I hate myself for thinking that but that's what I thought. So even the person who we are like who is kind of her partner uh, who does love her unconditionally has seen the side even though she's tried to hide it. And the thing is though he never tried to dominate her but I will say in that moment where she tells him about like the brother and the father hitting her and stuff he does try to have sex with her and it's such an awful moment. And he notes it as well like he's like why did I do that? Like yeah. It's just a moment where, you know, it's that thing. I I think we've all been there sometimes where you just want comfort. You don't yeah. actually want sex. You literally just want to, someone to just be there. And it can be such a disheartening thing where you're like, oh, now we got to do this. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like, and he is, I yeah. think, trying to comfort her in that moment. But like, is it, like it's not said, the comfort she needs. It's not needs. the comfort that she needs. And it's a mistake. Like he yeah. fucks up in that moment. She has unburdened herself in a way that she hasn't before. She's going mm-hmm. through this like incredibly difficult process. And he, 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 he fucks it. He doesn't yeah. react the yeah. right way. He doesn't give her what he needs in that moment. And yeah, that's and if, life, if you were unfortunately. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you were to look at that and be like, 
you know to to toss away the entire relationship on that moment do you know what I mean that's yeah. the thing where it's like you need a bit of like okay yeah now he knows yeah <laughs> yeah um so yeah that whole portion for me is really Marianne's huge period of growth of like coming to accept herself yeah. and who she is and, and what she wants and needs I think that a lot of that happens in Sweden yeah and then kind of concurrently at the same time we see that horrible sequence of mm. Connell reckoning with his friend's suicide. Uh, his friend from home, Rob, uh, he finds out on New Year, like around New Year's, has killed himself. He's jumped in the river. Mm. And this kicks off a period of huge depression for Connell that he then um, has to see through. You know, know, he has to go through. And I think it's a very common time for people to get depression. Yeah, I think those um, kind of first years of college. Oh, yeah, for sure. And actually something that's not really talked about weirdly, mm-hmm. but also, unfortunately, it's not a um, unfamiliar story in Ireland. Yeah. There is a massive problem with male suicide rates in Ireland. It is one of the... A very tough character to read about, Rob, in the book. Um because the signs are there and also they're not, which is like, again, very familiar tale. There's a bit that the way Connell describes Rob, um, he said Rob always needed approval. So again, there's something about Rob in this small town because I, you know, and this is, you know, I, I, I have family from the West of Ireland. I have family in Dublin, you know, so I kind of have a mix of, I'm a bit of, bit of Marianne, bit of Connell. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'm diverse. <laughs> you can't just put me to one character, okay? Rooney, if you're out there listening. Um, but I think that, like, there is such a thing between in, in small towns and places like that where, um, because you are a bit more under a microscope, everyone knows yeah. you. And, like, particularly in Ireland, the history has always been, like, you don't want to do anything that would, like, be embarrassing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You don't want to do anything that would be, like you know, make your family embarrassed. You want to be seen as the funny guy. You want to be seen as the, like, lad down the pub. You want to be seen as on the pitch. You want to be seen as this, you know, the pressure's there yeah. then to, to never, ever let that mask slip. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so that, Rob is almost painful to read. Painful because I'm like, read. oh God, there's so many, like, you've met so many Robs. That's yeah. the thing, like, and it's just sad that, yeah, it's just... That's why and Connell probably would have been the one guy he could have talked to. That's what kills me. Yeah. Is that actually like, of all of the friends, it feels like Connell would be have been the one who would have understood. Yeah, like, that's so hard. You and know. Connell sees a lot of himself, I think, in Rob. I think he says about like you know he was really insecure and he really cared about what people thought. Mm-hmm. And obviously, so did he. Like we know that from their childhood. We know what he's done to Marianne came from a place of not wanting to be seen a certain way by that group. And but I think Rob is. Connell's cautionary tale 100% yeah. yeah I have that's what I've written here in my notes toxic masculinity question I saw, I saw that and just laughed I was like when I saw that in the notes toxic masculinity question mark it's like do we even need the question just put down an exclamation point for the love of God you're such a my... lady questioning yourself <laughs> I put that on my Instagram story. I was like, I've never been more aggressively myself writing toxic masculinity, question mark. But that's what I see. Like, it's just so, like you said, it's so familiar, that story of Rob, I think. And it's just the fact that he was, he ended up in a space that he was so alone and had no options because of this world that he had found himself in. He was so boxed in by Mm -hmm. Cargley. He only had one option of what kind of person to become, really. And Connell got out, in a way. Not saying, like, you can stay in one place forever and be perfectly happy, but... And lots he, of people come home. That's the yeah. thing. 
but they what they had been set up to do and believe was that incredibly like misogynistic culture mm-hmm. and he never grew outside of that and that's harmful to the people who were enforcing it and let's you know be honest Rob was the one if we go back to the Debs yeah. Rob shows um, Connell and their other friend I can't remember the name naked photos his girlfriend had sent yeah. him and Connell was the one who kind of calls him out yeah. and goes it's not a bit fucked up that you're showing me that yeah and then Rob says, and I hate to use the wording, but Rob says, like, uh, God, you've gone off gay about these things. Yeah. But you could see, you could tell the hurt in Rob. Like, Rob wasn't expecting anyone to ever question him on this. Yeah. And, like, you know, again, if you were to look at a snapshot of Rob of that time, you're like, what a horrible, horrible human being. And he, like, that was a horrible thing to do. But it's, you are just like, God, he's so trapped. Yeah. Like, how trapped is this person to yeah. then go and do this? Following Rob's... Um, suicide Connell starts seeing at the urging of Niall um, best friend in the world TM um, he starts seeing a counsellor in Trinity College and kind of talks through where he finds himself in his life now and just that fact that you can never go home again or he feels he can never go home and he thought that he would get to Trinity and find the place that he belonged but that hasn't happened either and just that realisation of life isn't a storybook with an ending mm-hmm. you know it isn't this like I went to primary school and secondary school and now I'm at the final stage yeah. which is college and I'm finally going to be myself that's not going to happen and yeah he's unhappy where he is and unfortunately the question is what are you going to do about it now yeah yeah you're not happy here you didn't find what you wanted here and that's okay you found part of us yeah you know you've gotten skulls you're involved in like the societies that you're you involved found in. You found <laughs> Niall. Best friend in the world. DM. Um, but it's just an incredibly tough scene. It's Once again, it's so familiar and it is that feeling to me and so I consider between like Sweden and this period this to be their adolescence because yeah. it's that feeling of displacement. I don't belong anywhere and I'm wrong everywhere and I don't have anyone that I can be fully myself around. That's exactly what being a teenager is. Yeah. It's exactly what going through adolescence is and it's so painful to grow and learn these things and learn outside of yourself which is what they're doing now. Do you think even from seeing both these people right go through it do you think anyone gets away with not going through this god I don't know I was because you know so you can look into other people's lives and go you just seem to have a like as in like some people meet the love of their life age they come out the womb they're like we were always together you know what I mean and you're like fantastic or some people are like yeah and then I just bought this house and I really like it and I you know I had kids or I got married and you know they just seem genuinely happy I'm always like does anyone get away with not having these turbulent years these times where you feel like you don't fit because it seems like, and because of Instagram, we can see that yeah. it just seems like some people don't go through that. But I'm sure everyone does. And actually, what's what was so hard, and I think the reason why normal people became such a phenomenon is because these moments are like, like almost like ice is ice yeah. to the heart. They were so hard to read because so you're like, surely this is what normal people all go through. Yeah. <gasps> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I'm amazing. <laughs> Well, Marianne is who people view as being the person who has everything, right? Like, yes. I think that there's a lot of, there's people start to talk to Connell about, like, did you hear what Marianne's up to in Sweden? And yeah. there, I think that a lot of time, really low self-esteem and, and that inability to connect with people kind of comes across as this aloof arrogance. Yeah. And that's what people seem to think of Marianne, but she's deeply unhappy. So I don't think that, I just think no matter what, growing in any stage of life is just incredibly painful because it's a lot yeah. to grow involves a lot of failure like it's just about tripping up or experiencing pain like the 
Rob's death, it's not a failure, but it's incredibly painful. Mm. And Colin's going to learn a lot from that. Yeah. And that's the period that he's going through. And when you come out of childhood, things get harder and unfair things happen because the world is unfair and you're mm. experiencing that for the first time because you're not protected by you know Cargley was like this womb of protection for him and he's not there anymore and isn't it sad to think because I always think you know when people talk about childhood that are like oh god you know you're no longer a kid anymore well there was some kids out there who also had terrible times when they were kids and then you look at Marianne and you're like yeah actually from the get-go she was pretty much like she never had the womb she never had the cushioning and that's almost harder because you're like you never even had that yeah. for it to be destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> At least, you know, if some people are like, yeah, listen, for a while there, I just was like running around thinking the world was just a fabulous little marshmallow of a place. Yeah. Some people don't have that and it's really sad and it makes me feel for Marianne so, so much. much. And no wonder she goes and finds these awful men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so coming in then to the final part of the novel, uh, part three, Connell and Marianne, late romance. Marianne comes back from Sweden. Uh, her and Connell have been exchanging e- emails the whole time mm-hmm. that she's together. Helen and Connell have broken up amidst his depression. And now Marianne is back in Cargillie for the summer and Connell is coming down to visit her quite a lot. Yeah. Um, we see their relationship reignited after an awkward sexual encounter. Awkward to say the bloody least. <laughs> Wherein they're both in Connell's room one day and they've been on a night out the night before. Marion kind of confesses, once again, this is all terribly relatable to anyone yeah. who's been in their early 20s. Um, <laughs> I kind of hoped you'd kiss me last night. And yeah. him saying, I kind of wanted to kiss you, but I didn't really know if that's what you wanted or yeah. if that's what I wanted. Or, And at this point, through that kind of, you know, adolescent period of their friendship or, you know, that part two, they have become to rely on each other quite a lot. You know, they have become friends and they have opened up to each other and shown a lot of vulnerability. He was there a lot for her while she was in Sweden and going through a hard time. She was very there for him through Rob's suicide and his depression. Mm -hmm. And I genuinely feel, and it's a thing a lot of people feel when they start seeing their friends, is if we have a horrible breakup, I'm not just using a relationship, I'm using losing yeah, a friend. So yeah. I think that there's a hesitancy there. But eventually they give in and they yeah. start to hook up and have sex. During which Marianne, Marianne asks Connell to hit her and he can't. He would find that really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. That's fine. That's his preference. She's, I think, a bit mortified that he said no and yeah. runs home. She runs into her brother they have an altercation during which he breaks her nose. She rings Connell to ask him to bring her to the hospital. He does. And afterwards, they get back together. Yeah. He also, like, threatens Alan. And listen, we don't like threats, but I loved this threat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you see someone get a comeuppance, it's fabulous. Yeah. It's just fabulous. And there is a bit of, like, a, a Connell coming to the rescue thing. But the way I feel about that is... Once again, it brings harks back to that Sally Rooney quote about relationships and about the give and take and transaction relationships, and ultimately that you need other people. Yeah, like that was a situation that she couldn't get out of on her by herself. Unfortunately, oh, she I, needed absolutely. him absolutely, particularly f- familial abuse or yeah. anything like that. Yeah, I'm sorry that you kind of need someone outside of it. You cannot. Yeah. Uh, it can't. I think this whole thing of like do it yourself yeah. is, is great. Like obviously, we should all be as you know self reliant as possible and have our own strength but some of these situations are too big yeah and I also really doesn't for anyone who's like do it yourself or just get pull yourself up by your bootstraps you're also not taking into account let's be honest finances and stuff yeah. sometimes people financially are attached to families for many reasons until they until they can go out on their own feet yeah. like she's a young person 
afterwards, Connell and Marianne get together. Uh, they go back to Dublin. They're living, t- not living together, but they're together a lot. Yeah. They're seeing each other. It's a very calm yeah. time. At one point, Mar- Mar- Connell asks Marianne to come home with him for Christmas. They have a lovely time at Christmas. They do have a run-in, a, a very brief, barely even a run-in with Marianne's mother because she's now taking herself out of that familial mm-hmm. contract. You yeah. know, She's saying, I'm not going back there. I'm going to somewhere where I feel love, mm-hmm. where I feel safety, and that's Connell's house with Lorraine. Legend. Best, the legend Lorraine. <laughs> best mother yeah, in the yeah. world, yeah. Um, and... So as this, like I said, Connell and Marianne, the later years, this kind of last stage romance, kind of mm-hmm. like them as adults. The the way that I thought about it when I was reading, I, I went back to this like Marion Keys quote. Do you like Marion Keys? Yeah, love Marion. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Every Marianne, Irish woman legend, loves Marion Keys. National treasure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and she, I, in an interview once, she's talking about kind of like ad, early adulthood versus late adulthood or childhood or, you know, just that period of time in your early 20s when you really think life has to be one end of the spectrum yes. or another. You're either in agony and tortured all the time or you're ecstatically happy. Yeah. And then as you grow, you realize that actually the sweet spot is contentment. Yeah. It's just that feeling. It doesn't have to be every day is truly exciting and, you know, one or the other. Fireworks or, yeah. Yeah, or desperation. And Marion Keyes has said, she's like, you know, in my early 20s, contentment was, uh, might as well be death. Yeah, 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 you might as well be dead. And I think that this this stage is Connell and Marianne. They've gone through these horrible things. They've gone through like particularly painful periods of growth that have allowed them to open up to each other and Mm -hmm. actually start to communicate, start to empathise properly with each other and start to be vulnerable with each other. And that's given them this whole new world of intimacy that allows them to be content and feel safe with each other. They are relaxed now and can just be. And I think it's really gorgeous. I think it's a really gorgeous sequence. This kind of ends around Chris after Christmas. The last chapter. Would Connell, you call it a chapter <laughs> or a paragraph? <laughs> Connell reveals to Marianne that he's gotten into a writing program in New York. Uh, he submitted it via the encouragement of Sadie, the editor of the mm-hmm. Literary Society mm-hmm. paper. But he says, I won't go. You know, we've just gotten into this nice mm-hmm. period. And, and she says that he should go. But not before saying, are you in love with Sadie? And I just want to pause on this because I loved reading normal people, especially this time around. I thought it was really gorgeous. I loved Connell and Marianne's growth apart and together. And I loved seeing them come into that cozy period of Mm. contentment. This final chapter really annoyed and upset me Mm. because I felt they'd come so far. And then for Marianne to turn around and say, oh, do you love Sadie? I was like, what? Come on. (laughs) What? Do you not think that's very human, though? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, this is where I put into my shoes. Like, yeah. again, I think we're thinking of Marianne as in her 30s. Yeah. When she's, what, 24, 25? Like, I'm I'm sorry, but like, I was an idiot until yesterday. No, I know. That, you know that, that's true. And I, I also just think with lovers, I'm sorry, I just don't think you're normal. Like, again, yeah. I think actually there's something about being a partner to someone which just isn't there's a rational and I just think those things come out yeah even if I, you know the answer that's you know. true but just in, in the placement of this story oh, when all yeah. after all we've seen them been through together for this to yes. be kind of the parting message but maybe that is the purpose is it's like 
you're never going to be like this. You're never not going to be like this. Um, and then Connell decides to go. And that's kind of the end. And it was a very jarring end, I thought. And they, very depressing. When I read yeah. back, it was like, sort of like, does he love? Like, will they ever? I don't think we will. Like, yeah, it was abrupt and... Yeah, not yeah. my not my favorite ending. Not my favorite but... ending. Not that I always need things necessarily wrapped up in a bow, but just for I felt that every other section and every other chapter was so perfectly encapsulated mm-hmm. that this just fine kind of I was like turning the page, being like, oh, <laughs> oh. All I right. think there's a part of it that's a bit that that's life, and actually yeah. that's the toughest thing to read. Normal people, your first time. What did you think? Oh, laugh a minute and. <laughs> No, it's a, listen, it's an incredible book. I don't think I'd ever read it again. Yeah. Like, and that's, I I just don't think I'd, I'd want to sit down and read that again. Yeah, it was um, painful to read. It's like painful it's, to read. Brilliantly, yeah. brilliantly written. Um, I think they're, like, you know, we're going to talk about the TV show in the next part. I think the TV, TV show gets some things, I think, a bit better than the original mm-hmm. book, which is a weird thing to say. Not saying anything about the original book, but, like, I found that there's some characters that I understood a bit more by actually watching it in the show than yeah. I did maybe in the book. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, it's a great book. There's a reason why it's a fan. She's a great writer. Yeah. Incredible work. And I think like, I don't know how I would describe this yeah. story. And yet when I read it, I'm like, oh yeah, like now a shorthand. If anyone said Marianne and Connell, I'm like, yes, of course. I, <laughs> and, like, and I love Yeah, them. yeah, exactly. And, and I, I loved very difficult people. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I well, I thought as well. I find it like a really accessible novel as well. Like I flew through it, mm-hmm. but I do think it's absolutely gorgeously written. I love the care she takes with each person. Yeah. I do think that like Connell and Marianne are so fully realized. Them definitely more so than any other kind of supporting yeah. character. Although the idiosyncrasies of all the other characters are perfect. Like you do, I know Jamie very well. I know Peggy very fucking Peggy, well. Peggy, Christ. I mean, so, yeah, there's a few of them that you're like, I, I we know, all know these yeah, people. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, and yeah, that's, rereading it, I did really feel that what she is trying to say is being in love, it is an act of dependence mm. and it's not something that you can do on your own and it is based on trust and the inevitability of being hurt and it's about two people trying to get themselves to the place where they can accept that with each other and accept each other's shortcomings, but also their own shortcomings. There's kind of a thread throughout the book of Marianne's kind of unhealthy devotion to Connell. Kind of, she kind of Mm -hmm. thinks and says to him a few times, you know, if you told me to lay down on this mattress and take my clothes off, I would. Mm -hmm. And when she voices to Connell, he feels uncomfortable a few times, but ultimately, you know, for me, I think at the end, the realisation is that feeling she has towards him, she loves him yeah. and she trusts him and she wants to make him happy. And I think um, it's told through, like I said, that coming of age arc of them making that realisation together. Thanks for listening to The Jump. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review and subscribe to the show. And tell all your friends about us. It really helps us to continue to make the show even better. If you want to contact us with recommendations on what to cover next, message us on Instagram or TikTok at The Jump Podcast or email us at thejumppodcastx at gmail.com. That's thejumppodcastx at gmail.com. <laughs>